these sad days following the passing of Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh in his 99th year, we should recall that we owe the Queen and the Prince more than they would ever claim and certainly more than we shall ever know. It's worth recalling that in our monarchy, the Queen, the mere slip of a girl aged 21 in Cape Town, made a promise which she has honoured all her life, and that is her whole life, whether it would be long or short, would be dedicated to our service and the service of the great imperial family to which we all belong, the Commonwealth of Nations. There's something very special about our monarchy. The Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh aren't there, or they weren't there, to seek superannuation, golden handshakes, and the like, jobs for the boys and girls. What they did, they did out of service, without payment, because this is very much, as little understood, this is very much a self-funded monarchy. Our monarchy has that very rare phenomenon, that is, that it provides leadership beyond politics, not only to the United Kingdom, but to the 15 realms who share the Queen as sovereign, including the most venerable, that is, Canada, New Zealand and Australia. The Crown, ever since the American Revolution, the Crown has become important not for the power it wields, but constitutionally, the power it denies others. The Crown is the ultimate check and balance. And this is applied not only in the United Kingdom, but in also all of the realms where Prime Ministers and Premiers know that they must appoint, they must recommend for appointment as viceroys, the very best of people, and that those incumbents, governors-general and governors, realize that they owe allegiance to the Queen and to the people, never to the leader of the political party or to that party which appointed them, which can well occur more likely under a republic. The royal family has provided more than we can expect, and they are better known now because of television. And they are highly respected. The extraordinary thing I find is that I have to advise followers of Australia to constitutional monarchy, slightly tongue-in-cheek, never to stand between a visiting royal and Republicans, particularly Republicans of the Sydney variety, otherwise they will be knocked over in the rush. We have a wonderful system, and it is time now, with the general acknowledgement of the extraordinary contribution Prince Philip made to the world, not only in being the, the rock upon which the Queen relied so much, not only 
for the United Kingdom, but for each of the realms and the whole Commonwealth. But also in the extraordinary things that he did. For example, being one of the very first environmentalists when it wasn't fashionable, and then establishing the award scheme, which goes under his name, the Duke of Edinburgh Award Scheme, which has taught people how to rely upon themselves, how to achieve what they wanted to do. It's taught them respect. It's taught them discipline. There are some who say that but for the award scheme, they might well be in jail now. They might well be on drugs now. It has been a marvellous liberation. It's the sort of thing educational systems should be incorporating into their programs. About 800,000 Australians have gone through this and 8 million worldwide. It's been an enormous success. And now with the universal acknowledgement that Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, was really extraordinary, it's probably time now for those who used the knighthood, the Australian knighthood which was conferred on him, as an excuse to create a scandal, as an excuse for the eventual coup that overthrew Mr Abbott, as leader of the Liberal Party and Prime Minister of Australia, and replaced him with Mr. Turnbull, it's time for those, for those in the political establishment and for those in the media, that they advanced that case, the case for dismissing the knighthood on the basis of at least 10 lies and untruths. And the wickedness, the worst, was the appalling line that the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, had nothing to do with Australia. He had risked his life for Australia in its defence, having topped his class at Dartmouth Naval College in the United Kingdom. He immediately joined the Royal Navy, and there he was on convoys around Australian ships in the Mediterranean and in various other aspects of the Second World War, right through, right through to the surrender in Tokyo where he was present on one of the ships associated with the British Pacific fleet, which was headquartered in Sydney and Manus. He had a very close relationship with Australia. He loved Australia. He wanted to do good for Australia. He brought an enormous amount of media attention, free media attention to Australia. He visited the country over 30 times. He even on one occasion flew himself to Australia. This is a man who did so much, not only in the United Kingdom, but, but who so loved Australia. And yet when it came to concocting a coup against Mr. Abbott, they argued that he had nothing to do with Australia. They argued too about the so-called gaffes of which he was said to be guilty. They were no gaffes. What they were were banter. They were the sort of banter that people indulge in to put others at their ease, particularly a member of the royal family. There was almost a, an automatic journalism, delinquent journalism, particularly in England, where the prince would say something amusing to put people calm them down, to 
make them feel at home so that they wouldn't feel overwhelmed by a member of the royal family. They'd have a joke together. They'd go over and take down what was said. The people involved were not offended. And then they would report that as gaffes. And there was a whole string of these so that the, uh, the journalists were always ready to do this to the prince. No wonder he so disliked some of the journalists. The point is that at this stage, as we honour the passing of the prince, it leaves a lot of people, as Tony Abbott said, a lot of people facing the awkward reality that scoffing at him and scorning the crown, they really have to accept that he was a better man probably than any of them and many of us. I think we should honour him, and I'm sure all Australians are honouring the Prince in passing, and we will remember him as an extraordinary man and a great friend of Australia. Mm -hmm.